0: All right, so uh, normally on this Sunday, I normally just don't even teach at all. We normally just do like a breakfast and then we uh, get ready for this lunch that's about to happen. But because of today's passage, um, it actually ties in perfectly what's going to happen today. And so I wanted to finish out the book of John today. So turn with me to John chapter 21. John 21, looking at uh, verse 15, starting there. And... um, and like I said before, uh, my plan is to go like 15 minutes, um, which probably means more like 45, um, but I'm going to try to stay at like 15 to 20 minutes, and then we're gonna, um, have, I'm going to u- use you guys um, afterwards to help us set up setup for this uh, lunch we're doing today. And so John chapter 21, uh, here's a quick summary of the first uh, few verses, and then we'll get into uh, verse 15 in a minute. So here's the setting. Jesus is um, by uh, the sea with his uh, disciples, and um, the disciples go out, and they don't catch anything in their boat. They just go out, they don't catch anything in their nets, and uh, then Jesus says to cast their net on the other side of the boat, and um, they catch, the, the word says they catch 153 fish when they go to the other side of the boat. Now listen, um. It doesn't really say what the significance is of that part of the story in the scriptures, but um, you can kind of guess that Jesus, what's one of the things he says to the disciples when he calls them earlier in the book? What does he say? He says, I will come, come, I will make you what? Fishers of, right. So Jesus is smart. He's the son of God. He's perfect. His intellect is perfect. And so he understands plays on words. So instead of them being fishermen, they're going to be fishers of men, right? Right? So um, that's the plan. And so uh, I think you can make a connection here that Jesus is, is implying that, look, if you follow my instructions, if you follow me, you're going to reap a huge harvest, to use a farming and not a fishing analogy, but you're going to reap a huge harvest. You're going to have a lot of fish to catch, a lot of uh, people to catch with the gospel. So they catch too many fish. Um, so much that they can't even contain it. The next scene I think is really cool because they are sitting on the beach together, and it says Jesus, they have a a charcoal, like, fire pit going. And so um, they are grilling some of these fish, and it says they're eating them for breakfast. So do you guys like to eat fish for breakfast? Probably not. But back then, there weren't many options, so they eat fish for breakfast along with bread. And so, um, but here they are. Listen, here they are. Jesus this is after the resurrection, and they're eating breakfast by the seashore with Jesus, and the scriptures make it seem like no one's really saying anything. That It seems like it's kind of awkward at this point because Jesus is there. He's been resurrected, and uh, what we see is that um, you remember that the disciples actually kind of abandoned Jesus after the, at the cross, right? They left, and they um, ran away they weren't sure what to think about the fact that um the messiah was dying on the cross and so um because of that uh things are a little bit awkward now right he's resurrected no one's saying anything and so jesus breaks the silence in verse 15 he says uh let me grab some water he didn't say let me grab some water that was what i said but um okay verse 15 it says uh when they had finished breakfast, Jesus said to Simon Peter, Simon, son of John, do you love me more than these? And we'll get back to this in a minute. this passage. He said to them, said to him, yes, Lord, you know that I love you. He said to him, then feed my lambs. He said to him a second time, Simon, son of John, do you love me? He said to him, yes, Lord, you know that I love you. He said to him, tend my sheep. He said to him the third time, Simon, son of John, do you love me? Peter was grieved because he said to him the third time, do you love me? And he said to him, Lord, you know everything. You know that I love you. Jesus said to him, then feed my sheep. Now, um, in verse 15, it says, uh, so when they had finished breakfast, we always see Jesus um, eating with the disciples a lot, right? They didn't share just um, the teaching moments. They actually shared meals together um, for those three years with the disciples and um and i 'll just say this very quickly, but this is partly why we feed you guys a lot of food here on Sundays and Wednesdays because I really do believe that um that food actually helps create community there's a reason behind it 's not just because we 're trying to get you to pay attention or you know give them some sugar and they 'll pay attention it's not that 's not the point. The point is that I really believe when you gather around a table together and you eat together there 's just something spiritual about that. There really is. Have you guys noticed that? Do you, do you feel like conversations seem to go different if you're sharing meals together as opposed to just sitting there staring at each other? Have you noticed that? And so we do it for that reason because we feel like the, um, uh, hey, can we put the pocket knife away, please? And put it away, like in your pocket. It's called a pocket knife for a reason. I got a guy over here, like, going, like, Russian roulette on his hand, and I'm like, dude. You're going to bust a vessel or something. I, I don't like the look of that. So um, please put that away. Okay, um, so, uh, so we, see, we see Jesus sharing meals with the disciples quite a bit. And um, this is why we do what we do here at the Outback on Sundays and Wednesdays. It's partly why we, we think it's important. Um, now, look at the question. So no one's talking. There's awkward silence. Uh, look at the question that Jesus first asked Peter. He says, Simon, son of John do you love me more than these? Meaning, do you love me more than these guys do? Now, leave it to Jesus to break the awkward silence with an awkward question, right? That's kind of an awkward question. If you're sitting with your friends, are you going to sit there and go, so, uh, Rebecca, do you love me more than these other girls do? Are you going to ask your friend that question? Probably not. That's an awkward question. Um, But Jesus being perfect, He's allowed to ask awkward questions like that. And if you think about this, why do you think Jesus is asking Peter this question? You remember what happened before the, before the crucifixion? What happened? He denied him three times, right? <laughs> so he's directing this question at Simon Peter for this reason. And what he's getting at, he's saying, Peter, do you love me more than these other disciples do? And he's trying to get a reaction out of Peter. And he gets the reaction that he's looking for because Peter seems a little put off, a little offended by the question. I mean, wouldn't you feel kind of offended by that question if someone asked you that question with your friends there present? And so look at Jesus' response. Jesus' response is, he says, if you love me, then feed my lambs. Feed my lambs. Now, he says this three times because Peter denied him three times. So what Christ is doing here, the last thing that happened before the death of Jesus, was the denial of Peter. Peter denied him three times. And so Peter's probably feeling a little bit ashamed, a little bit uh, just worrisome being around the, about, around Jesus after he knows he's denied him three times in, in the previous story. And so um, so in this story, Jesus calls him by the name Simon and not Peter. Now, the reason why he does this is because Peter was his new sort of God-given name. Simon's his old name. And when Peter denied Jesus, it was like he was acting like his old self. So I think he's being called Simon because it's it's like Jesus is saying, look, when you denied me, you acted like your old self, and I'm calling you to be Peter. I'm calling you to be the new man that I've created you to be. And so he's asking him, Simon, do you love me? And reminding him who he used to be so that he can fall on the grace and mercy of Jesus and then become the person that God intends him to be, which is Peter, which means rock, the person he's going to build his church on. And so um, so here, Jesus is, is, it's like Jesus is trying to restore him. On the one hand, this might sound shameful, but he's also trying to restore him at the same time and remind him that, no, I still offer you the same relationship that I offered you before in spite of the fact that you denied me three times, and so Peter affirms his love for Jesus three times, and here's the, the whole crux of the matter, because I love the fact that the book of John ends on this passage, because um, we said at the very beginning of the series, we said that um, we want studying this book to have one major thing take place in your life, and it was this, we want it to stir your love for Jesus, Right? We said that from week one. We want this book to stir your love and your affection for Jesus Christ, not just stir your beliefs, not just stir conviction, um, not just stir repentance, which those are great things and those are necessary things, but mainly we want it to stir your love and affection for Jesus. Now, I know that whenever I say that, those words, um, girls tend to be like okay with that language when it comes to Jesus, but guys tend to be a bit like, wait, what? I'm supposed to? love and have affection for Jesus which sounds like a weird idea but when you look at the scriptures John especially talks a lot about loving Jesus loving God leads to a love for other people look at first first second and third John it's all about the church loving each other and it's all based on your love and affection for Jesus and so listen the the main crux of the matter the main question i want to ask you this morning is do you Love him, has looking at this book has it stirred your affection and love for him, or do you still just have this intellectual, distant, understanding and and kind of like love for Jesus, or do you really truly love and and have affection for Jesus so much to the point that you want to obey him? Because here's the deal, um, I, I read an author this week. He said this: love is the compelling force behind true obedience. Love is the compelling force behind. True obedience. Did the slides go bye-bye? Where'd they go? I don't know where they went. That's what I say to my my kid. Go bye-bye. Um, so love is the compelling force behind true obedience. And um, obedience without love is not true obedience. Listen, many of you are at that stage of life where you're like, okay, I'll just obey. Um, I'll just follow the rules. I'll do what I have to do. But if that's not coming from a place of true love and affection for Christ, it's not really true heart obedience, is it? It's just going through the, going through the motions, going through the actions. It's not really true obedience without, um, without there being love at the center of that. If we do not love Jesus, listen, many of you want to be involved in ministry, all kinds of ministries around here. If we don't do that out of a love for Jesus Christ, our ministry is not going to be effective. If you minister out of any other place other than love and affection for Christ, our ministry here is not going to be effective. I mean, it might be okay externally, but it's not going to have its full fruit, its full effect, unless it's done out of a place of love for him. Unless it's done out of that place, it will not be effective ministry. And so last week, I stood up here on the stage, and I invited um, anyone in the room who has not put your faith and trust in Jesus Christ I said, look, if you, if you think you're not a Christian yet, or if you know you're not a Christian yet, I'm inviting you to put your faith and trust in him today. I said that last week. And I wasn't just saying to put your faith and trust in him intellectually, but I was inviting you to have a love relationship with him. Right? I mean, we're inviting you into this love relationship with Jesus. And so the question that Christ asked Peter is also relevant to us. Do you... Love him. Do we love him? If we love him, we will want to obey him. Listen, the next statement for you is this, is that loving always leads to doing. Loving always leads to doing. Throughout the Bible, we see this pattern. If, if, if you truly love God, truly love Christ, it's going to lead to action. It's going to lead to something. And here he's saying it's going to lead to feeding um, his sheep. We live in a world uh, today that um, people think to love someone is something that's only internal. You know, I feel love or I feel love for this person. And we sort of talk about love only like as it takes place internally, right? Um, But in Scripture you see love always produces something. Love always leads to doing. And it it leads to an outward expression of, of that love. It always leads to outward action. And so what Peter is being told to do by he's being told by Christ to do one thing. And he says, feed my sheep. And here's what he means by that. He means give them, give them my word. Feed them with my word. Take what you know, take what you've experienced and give this to the people, Jews and Gentiles. Give it to the people that you come in contact with. Preach my word. And Peter would take this charge seriously because if you look at the book of Acts, we know his first sermon. Peter preached to 3,000 or over 3,000 people because it says the Bible says that 3,000 came to faith that day. Because Peter took that job so seriously that thousands came to faith as a result of Peter obeying Christ. And so he says to him, give them my word. I want to tell you something really uh, quickly that we we really do take this command by Christ very seriously here. Um, this is why we spend uh, a good 35, 40 minutes just teaching you every Sunday morning. It's why we have discussions at your tables. It's why we have hour-long discussions on Wednesday night. Because listen, um, when I say this, I don't mean this to sound arrogant or cocky. I just really think that people underestimate high school students all the time. I really think that. And I think in many um, youth environments, um, people think that all people want your age is give me like a little 10-minute devotional and let us eat some pizza. Let's go outside and play some volleyball. And that's all we really want out of the church, all we really want to have as far as our church experience goes. Now, that might be okay some weeks, but um, it's why... We work so hard to teach you from this stage on Sundays and in your groups on Wednesday nights because we really do take this charge, feed my sheep seriously because we believe that the words that are in this book, the words contained in this book are inspired by God. They are life-changing. They are life-transforming. And my leaders and I are all on the same page. We really believe that when you come to know Jesus, and the truth about Jesus, it will change your life. And it's why we, we still like doing fun stuff. We like doing fun stuff. But we also like to dig into the word and take you as deep as we can possibly take you. When I first came on staff here at the church, um, I had parents, um, it was funny because I had some parents that were like um, kind of the real serious types that would ask me questions like, you know, so how do you plan to, um, really take these kids deeper and, and whatnot um, and not kind of dumb it down. And I said, I said, I'm not trying to sound like arrogant when I answer this question, but I said, I said, there has never been a time in my life where I've opened the scriptures and asked myself the question, how can I dumb this down to high school kids? That's never happened. In fact, um, I would say the opposite is what motivates us here. Is that I look at the passage and go, how can we take this as deep as we possibly can, and still relate to high school kids. How can we do that here? And my response was, I said, if you don't think we're going deep enough, then you have the wrong guy. You got the wrong guy. I said, there's never been a time in my life where I've said to myself, um, okay, I'm gonna I'm gonna gloss over the hard stuff. We're just gonna take it surfacey. We're just gonna be superficial. We're just gonna give them like the 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 the, the um the most shallow sermon ever, right? We don't do that. That's not what we're about here. And again, I'm trying to tell you this, that we take it seriously of of this command of feed my sheep because I really believe that deep down that you really are craving that, that you really do want that. I do not believe that we should underestimate high school students. I do not believe that we should look at you and say, oh, okay, you're only 16, 17. Oh, you really can't handle the hard stuff. You really can't handle, that. Like, we're going we're gonna to take it and make it shallow for you. We don't believe that here. And so our, our mission and goal here is to always take this seriously, and we want to feed you spiritually in the way that Peter's being told to, um, to feed the people spiritually as well. Now, other ways that this plays out here, because this morning, I want to celebrate this morning, Just the many ways in which I think you guys are taking seriously the charge to feed people spiritually. And one of the ways that's happening is, um, one of the many ways it's happening is through uh, what we call G-groups, G-group leadership. Every year, we train up about uh, 15 to 20 upperclassmen guys and girls, and we basically send them after many of you and say, hey, go pursue these students and um, invite them into a G group, which meets usually on Sunday nights or throughout the week. And these are peer-led Bible study and accountability groups, right? And it's why some of you got phone calls from random students, and you're like, why is that person calling me? I don't even know who they are. And uh, we literally sat in my living room, and, and here's a list of all of our We said, look, we want you to literally choose, like pick a bunch of kids that you're going to call. And we, we literally targeted every single kid in our ministry that's a part of our ministry here. And so if you did not get a phone call, you should have gotten a phone call um, and inviting you into a G group that's a peer-led Bible study because we really believe that our upperclassmen guys and girls should not just sit along the sidelines and just take things in and consume, but they should be people who are feeding the sheep as well, right? And many of them are doing that and living that out um, as they lead those G groups. Another way this happens um, that I love every year is Impact, and uh, about 120 of our junior high and high school kids every year will um, go through training in the springtime. We go to a camp in the first part of June, and then we do um, back our Bible clubs, and we minister to over a thousand kids in our community because many of you are passionate about feeding the children spiritually of our city. And and you, you and, the, and the really cool part about Impact is that. Impact doesn't just stop with um, the end of that week in the summertime. Many of you took it upon yourself in the last couple of years to go to certain key outreach areas in our community and to continue those impact type clubs throughout the school year. And so, listen, I get really blown away when I think about this that there are many of you in this room who you've got AP classes, IB classes college application essays, you've got scholarship applications, and the general stuff of school. And many of you take time on Sundays and some Tuesdays and some Wednesdays to go minister to little children in our city that you don't even know yet. They live across town, and you go to places like Jonathan Moore Apartments and Canyon Creek Ministry and Ralph Wilson Youth Club, and i've you're faithful and you're consistent and you do it weekly and it blows me away that you have that kind of passion to feed the sheep feed the children of our city here in Temple Texas it blows my mind because i know i know where i was when i was your age i was a kid who wanted to make good grades wanted to get into a good college and i did kind of like the bare minimum i think when it came to ministry i did some stuff but it was like It fit my schedule. There wasn't much sacrifice involved. And I see many of you like going way beyond that and and sacrificing time and energy and not just being here on Sundays and Wednesdays to take in, but being there on Sunday night and and Tuesday night, um, Wednesday night at uh, Ralph Wilson to feed the sheep of our city, to feed the little lambs of our city. It blows my mind. How much, how much many of you do in that regard, and that you take this charge that, that, that Christ is giving to Peter so seriously, and you're so passionate about those things, it really does humble me and blow me away. and I'm so grateful to you for that. There's going to be another chance um, whenever we put together a series on Sunday morning here at the Outback, we are always thinking outreach, we are always thinking about who can we reach out to for this series. And so I was going to play this intro video, but it won't work because our our, uh, Wi-Fi is down. Surprise, right? Uh, Again. So, um, but when January hits, I normally save my video series that we do for summertime when I'm real, real busy um, with impact and stuff. But um, starting January, we're going to do a four-week video series with Matt Chandler on defending the Christian faith it's going to be on um, topics like suffering, topics like how do I minister to my um, my atheist friends, how do I, those kind of big questions that we talk about sometimes. Um, we've covered these before from from the stage here, but I'll, I want you to hear multiple different voices on these kinds of things. And I want you to be thinking about even now, over Christmas break, um, who can I invite, who can I bring starting first Sunday of January, all the way through the end of January to watch this video series by Matt Chandler when it begins in January. And this is another chance for us to feed the sheep, feed people spiritually in our city, and a chance for us to outreach to them and see hopefully them come to know Christ and embrace Jesus Christ as their Savior. That's going to happen in the first part of January. Once January, we'll start our next series after that in February, but we'll have the whole month of January devoted to that one series. And we'll be thinking about who can I be inviting and thinking about, praying about, Uh, bringing that series in January um, when that starts. Um, Another way that I think you guys are taking seriously the command to feed my sheep is uh, every year we do this food drive and this Christmas gift drive. and, um, And I'm blown away at your response every year. And so today we get to feed probably 150 people in this room and literally feed them physically, but also feed them spiritually as well. And also give them Christmas gifts and, and show the love of Christ in that way. And so, um, so instead of me just talking this morning about feeding my sheep, we are going to do it literally in a few moments. And uh, before I wrap up, though, there's a sign-up sheet at your table that is, uh, is titled Outreach Ministry. And what I'm going to do is if you're currently involved in those ministries at Ralph Wilson Youth Club, uh, at um, Jonathan Moore Apartments, at Kenyon Creek uh, Townhomes, those kinds of things. I want you to sign up on that list there. We're going to have a meeting um, January the 12th after church to kind of collaborate and share ideas and cast some vision for those that are currently doing that those ministries. Um, also, if you're not currently doing those ministries, but you want to jump on board and help out with those things, you can also sign up to be at that meeting as well. And uh, and be a part of that meeting and, and get on board with one of the teams that are going out to our city and feeding the sheep of, of our city here in, in Bell County. Um, so go ahead and sign up for that right now if you can. Um, and uh, I'm going to pray for us. And um, we will, I'll tell you what to do after that as far as getting this lunch ready today for these people. that are cu- going to be here in a few minutes. Let's go ahead and pray. Yeah, we thank you so much for the chance we have to minister your word today. We thank you that we get to um, just be light today. And and to feed some sheep with you've told Peter to as well. We thank you for uh, your word and how it transforms. We pray that anybody in the room today, God, that um that uh, doesn't know you, we pray that um that they would look at your word. They would realize that you are who you, who you say you are. You are the Savior. You are the Messiah. And when they realize the truth about you, we are humbled by it. We are transformed by it. We realize that we need a relationship with you. We need forgiveness from you. We pray that um, the gospel would begin to transform us and change us, Father, in those kinds of ways.